weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live. Good morning and welcome along to KCLR Live this Thursday morning, the 13th of July. Thanks to uh, John Walsh for waking us all up and keeping us heads down. Wasn't he in great form considering Leeds United managed the first game of the season? Only a pre-season friendly, of course, against Manchester United, so maybe no shock there. Coming up between now and 12 o'clock, we'll be joined just after 10 uh, by Simon Lewis. He's the principal of the Educate Together in Carlow, talking about the lack of funding uh, for children with additional needs in Carlow schools. Damien Young He's the CEO and founder of Zeus Eco Urban Scooters. A success story from Carlo business perspective, but also will they be in with a chance of winning the tender for the e-scooters to be supplied to the Carlo area? Tomas Bratnock, he's a Labour councillor for Kilkenny, and the, the South East Greenway, the first section of that is opening, and we'll be talking to him as well, and lots more besides. But now at 10.01, it's time to go over to Ashling Bolton-Dowling in the newsroom. Good morning as always and welcome along to KCLR Live. You can text and WhatsApp us on 083 306 9696. That's our dinner's ready text and WhatsApp line. Or you can free phone us 1800 90 96 96. If you wanted to send us an email about anything we're talking about today or anything that you've noticed around your own communities that you'd like to let us know about, KCLR Live at KCLR 96 FM. Com. That's the show's email address. Do feel free to get in touch whenever you want. Uh, pleasure to be with you as always this morning. As I said, John Walsh keeping us entertained and uh, brilliant music right throughout the summer, right through the morning. And indeed, he will be here through the summer. I believe he's been inviting some of you to come on air talking about working in radio. Um, yeah, keep those entries coming in if you want to get involved. I'm sure John Walsh would love to have some of you in keeping him companies in the morning here in the studio. Uh, do let him know. We've got lots to do this morning. Uh, jam-packed show. Great show. Really, really interesting stuff in there. I already told you about the fact we'll be speaking to Simon Lewis, the principal of the Educate Together School in Carlow, about a lack of funding uh, for children with additional needs. If that's something that you've experienced or that there's any comment that you'd like to make on it, um, get those comments into us now because we'll be speaking to Simon in about five minutes' time. 083 306 9696. Stan and Carlo, for one moment, Damien Young, he's the CEO and founder of Zeus Eco Urban Scooters. A very good, successful business story. Um, and also trying to tender um, for the first e scooters tender for Carlo. Um, he'll be joining us to tell us about a business and his hopes for the business in Carlo, particularly. Um, around about 20 past 11 this morning. As I mentioned, we'll be talking about the Greenway, a new section open there as well. Also, Rebecca Harold. Rebecca is the founder of Translife Kilkenny. Um, she's joining us just after 11 o'clock because there's a new Leaving Cert Sex Education curriculum has just been announced. And we'll be talking to Rebecca to find out her thoughts on that curriculum. Um, and does it go far enough to address um, the needs of the LGBTQI plus community in terms of sex education in our secondary schools and to a certain extent our primary schools, junior um, cycles as well. Hours to protect. It's Thursday morning, so we'll be doing that uh, continuing series of specials here on KCLR Live and indeed stations right across the country. Amy McLaughlin's been out to speak to Catherine Yates. Catherine Yates helps run um, Elderflower Gardening Group. It's a gardening group um, for, for people in retirement. It's a really, really nice initiative, um, not just keeping people in their retirement busy, but also being mindful of the uh, eco-requirements of everybody out there, and they're doing their little bit as well. And, ladies, you might be interested to know, and possibly gentlemen, that we're going to be speaking to one of Ireland's most eligible bachelors, because John Cody, who's from Castlecomer, is a finalist in the Westmead Bachelor competition. It's a bit like the Rose of Tralee for men, 
or for women, whichever way you want to look at it. But he'll be joining us. If you're looking for love, uh, maybe John might be the man. He'll be talking to us around about 25 to 12 this morning. Um, the big interview this week on Scoreline is four-time All-Ireland winner and Kilkenny senior hurler Connor Fogarty. He sat down with Robbie Dowling ahead of next Sunday's All-Ireland senior hurling final. He's a member, obviously, of that Kilkenny panel since 2011. God, that seems like a long time ago now. And he's now one of the more experienced players on the Kilkenny team. Fogarty counts eight Leinster senior hurling titles, five National League titles, among plenty of other honours, of course. So he's very well positioned to share his thoughts um, on the changes that have happened, I suppose, in the camp since Derek Ling took over just under a year ago, how the Cats really performed against Clare last Sunday in the semi-final victory, and, of course, what local support means to him and the team. More importantly, how he sees next... What we all want to know, how does he think next Sunday's final is going to go? That's the big interview for Scoreline this Saturday afternoon, just after four o'clock. Do stay tuned. Yes, we've more fun, fair fun coming your way. Today, we have... Two family packs of tickets to give away to Fox McFadden's Funfair. Each of those family packs, in case you haven't heard us during the week, contain 20 tickets to the Funfair. So we're giving away 40, two bundles of 20. I'm sure you understand that. Fox McFadden's Funfair coming uh, to the Hebron Road for three days only from the 14th to the 16th of July. All your favourite attractions, including the exciting new runaway train, the family roller coaster, and the fastest waltzers that you'll ever come across. The biggest thrills of the fun fair in Kilkenny on Friday, well, from Friday to Sunday, the 14th to the 16th. Two windows tickets. I think they're having a bit of fun with me this morning because they've given me the lyrics to a song and they are the most difficult lyrics I've ever seen written down anywhere. They go something like this. Rama Lama Lama Kadinga Da Dinga Dong Shoop Boop Shawada Wada Yippity Boom Dee Boom Chang Chang Changity Chang Shabop Dee Da Dop Up Dee Da Whoop Dee Boop Dee Doo Something like that Shana Na 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 Yippity Doo Enough of that rubbish This is the song and we want you to identify what movie is it from <laughs> Yeah, I sounded just like that, didn't I? <laughs> but what, what movie is it from? I'm sure you all know. Text us or WhatsApp us 083-306-9696. Sha-na-na-na-na-yippity-dip-dee-boop. Woo-ba-boo-loo-mop and whoop. It would take me an absolute lifetime to learn those lyrics for that song. So thankfully I didn't have to do it. But if you can tell me what movie is that from, you can text me or WhatsApp me on 83 306 Nine six, you can get your entries in, and you will be in with a chance of picking up those tickets to go to that fun fair this coming weekend. Do get on board, get entering now, and we'll announce the two winners of those twenty packs of tickets each before we're off air a little bit later on. Oh eight three three oh six nine six nine six. That is our text and WhatsApp line. Now, as I mentioned to you, um, school principal Simon Lewis, he's the principal of the Educate Together um, in Carlo. A number of school leaders came together recently and they're deeply concerned about a lack of services for children with additional needs. It's, it's obviously causing huge anxiety for families. 
many of whom have no information about access to special classes. It's also putting schools um, in an impossible situation, really, I suppose. Already under, under-resourced, these schools are struggling to accommodate the increased needs of children enrolling. But most importantly, the children themselves are struggling due to a lack of basic interventions uh, that would make a huge difference to their lives. And I'm joined on the line now by Simon Lewis, as I said, principal of the Educate Together School in, in Carlo. Uh, good morning, Simon, firstly. Morning, Brian. How are you doing? Listen, thanks for your time this morning. Um, this is not just you, because it's it's a number of schools coming together t- to write this uh, this letter and, and, and to make public aware of that. Uh, how big an issue is it? I, I would say it's probably the single biggest issue in the primary education system uh, right now. Uh, and I don't say that lightly because there's a, quite a few issues uh, that go on in, in education. But this has been building uh, for the bones of a decade. And, um, you know, there's been countless. I, I, I suppose you, you don't have to go on the internet for uh, too long to find stories of families who are struggling uh, to get resources for their children. They pop up in newspaper articles and on the radio. Um, but a school, I suppose, uh, over the last decade, as as, a, as schools, we've. Um you know, we, we, we thought uh, that with the promised improvements to services that things like this would kind of start happening. And uh, I've, we noticed, I suppose, that our, uh, as a group of principals in our town in Carlo, uh, we meet very regularly to discuss the issues of the day. And time and time again, special education just kept coming up. Uh, and in our uh, one of our last meetings of the year, we, um, we, we kind of said, like we're going nowhere here nothing's improving it should we just you know put a letter out there to our to to uh, the local media and see if maybe they could highlight the issue and um you know we we, we put a letter together sent to the the carlo nationalist and uh, lo and behold we were front page <laughs> news there this week uh, with it and and hence i'm talking to you i'd say well i mean it's interesting because as we said it's not just you there's 12 different school principals have come together to uh, to stand behind this letter and if you may just give me the pleasure of of reading one short paragraph from the letter carlo town mm. has no access to a special education needs organiser, resulting in families and schools having no support for school placements or applications for resources such as as assistive technology and transport. So give give our listeners some sort of uh, simplistic uh, guidance on how that practically affects the running of the school day um, and the whole education experience for children with those needs. Yeah, I, I'll do my best because uh, it can be quite complicated and depends on the needs of the child. Uh, but essentially, uh, the, the the role of um, of the of the school is, I guess, to provide children with whatever resources they need, um, depending. On, on, on their needs, I guess. And uh, that can be anything from, um, you know, extra uh, special needs assistance. It could be extra uh, support from a from a special education teacher. So extra, uh, what, what probably would be known as remedial teachers back in in, in our day, but uh, they, they, they uh, or, or whatever like But um, in order to apply for those uh, resources, when I started the job 15 years ago, it was a call, uh, I made a phone call uh, to someone called the CINO, which is the Special Education Needs Organiser. i tell them what I'd need. She'd come and visit the school. She'd assess the situation, and then we'd get the supports. Since, um, I suppose, 2016, um, that's changed. We now have to apply uh, uh, on some web form uh, for resources, and 90 
I'm going to give you a figure, an exact figure, 92% of the time you get an automated uh, an automated response saying you haven't been successful in your application. So you don't even get to uh, talk to the, uh, to the, to the, to the CNO at all. I mean, sorry, um, to sorry to interrupt, Simon, right? But how in God's name can an application on a web form truly highlight the needs of an individual? I mean, as you said, in the past, a person would come out and they could see what those needs were and you had a face and that face would then go away. Surely the system is, it's just crazy to think about having to make an application like that. It's so nuanced, but yet it's a web yeah. form. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, I mean, I've I've long said that the, the system has been broken for 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 quite some time, and it, it's come to that. You know, it, it, you know, I, uh, the NCSE, which is the National Council for Special Special Education, is responsible for uh, providing the resources uh, through the CNO to schools. This, this is the sort of the journey it's supposed to go on. And over the last number of years, the number of CNOs who are the people that were making decisions in the past have reduced, but the number of their administration staff has increased uh, <laughs> unbelievably. <laughs> Uh, so you know, uh, I, I I mean, for me that says it all uh, uh, in that case. But in Cardo specifically, uh, one of the biggest problems, challenges we've had is Arsino, who is a wonderful person actually. In fairness, uh, uh, Lorraine uh, Fleming Farrell is her name. She retired um, and wasn't replaced. Uh, so we've had five months of not having you know uh, uh, of not having any access to advice uh, and parents having any advice either so i suppose the reason um when you in your paragraph you mentioned that parents have no access to information yeah. is because that's where the information came from um and where you could apply for things like assistive technology and for transport and even for a school place uh, the, uh so schools have sort of been using word of mouth almost uh, to kind of provide you know to provide parents with information they might contact me and uh, say you know do you have a place in your school and if I don't I can share with them look I know there's 13 other schools in the town that offer special classes for example and uh, I, I, I have that I have a list and we, we sort of just update that ourselves but it isn't really good enough you know we, we you know I, it, it just isn't good enough um, I know um, as of yesterday um, Asino has been appointed for Carlo but it's going to take ages for them to, you know, get trained and figure out things. So, you know, that's just one aspect. There's no OT. There's no special uh, speech and language therapy. There's no psychology services. No, there's there's no. Um, you know, the management team for, for education is an absolute mess. So, <laughs> and, so I mean, you know, when, sorry, when you said it's going to take ages, right? We we are what we're now middle of July, um, in yeah. six in six weeks' time, roughly. Um, all of the schools around the country are going to be going back. This CEO yeah. is not going to be on the ground ready. To, I, I would think, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could tell me I'm wrong. Maybe they're trained in two weeks and out working in a fur. But they're not going to be in place, or are they going to be in place come September? I, to be honest, I don't know. I, we, we got uh, we got the person's name. I, I've never heard of her. Uh, so she hopefully is someone who might be experienced in, in the work. But we don't know that yet. Um, we we sort of uh, we, we were only told uh, through a through a politician actually who just sent a, a press release to the school rather than the NCSE sending us the information, which would have made more sense. So we're finding out through, I guess, um, not the media, but certainly through a, a politician rather than the actual service that we're we're relying on that we're getting a Ceno. So I, I'm not confident, uh, to be perfectly honest. And the mad thing is, like, I'm talking about Carlo, but this is happening in every single county in Ireland. It's mm. it's just, you know, I, I, I'm kind of surprised that it isn't, you know, a, a more of a, a national kind of 
uproar. Um, but I, I, I uh, you know, I suppose this week we've been focusing on uh, uh, on other things that may not be as important. I just feel yeah. when it comes to children, uh, particularly children with additional needs, we have to be doing everything we can uh, to ensure they get everything they need because you know for and not just because it's the right thing to do but it's uh, even you know if people are interested in economics you know if you can give children what they need if that's speech therapy if that's uh, occupational therapy when they're very young you're going to be cutting out a lot of problems in the future uh, because um those problems just don't go away by themselves i mean when, when this new person does start the job they're going to need massive support and help i'm sure they'll be fabulous and you know anybody who works in that sector at all um, has a heart and cares uh, and they're going to be coming in with a massive job to face because I mean one of the local councillors said just over the last few days that there's over 100 children waiting on assessments um, and these can't mm. be completed due to uh, a psychologist not being in place for example so there's going to be other things around that if you don't mind Simon can I read you a message that we just got in from a listener it says uh, good morning Brian firstly sure. I'd like to thank Simon and the other principals for highlighting this issue. Uh, it's just the tip of the iceberg for us parents of children with extra needs. The parents of children with Down syndrome and Carlo have gotten together to highlight the lack of services and support for our children, uh, representing our children in the House of Oroctus earlier this week, highlighting the chronic and dire circumstances we are now in due to lack of services. Well, sort of, as you said earlier on, Simon, I mean, the House of Oroctus and the media, in fairness, were very much focused on somebody else who was up in the Oireachtas earlier on in the week. But they, they go on to yeah. say there's, there's no SLT, which is speech and language therapy, no occupational therapy, etc., for our children, which in turn leads to difficulties in school settings. Uh, check out our campaign. Mm-hmm. You forgo, I'll have to read that carefully because it's one of them hashtags where all the words go together, but it's you forgo a... About, you forgot about me. That's yeah, I've worked out. Ah. Hashtag you forgot about me. If anybody wants to check out that Y O U F O R G O T A B O U T me, all one word. Um, it's a campaign not just for children with DS, um, but for all children with additional needs. I would ask parents, family members, and the public in general to sign our petition. There's a power in numbers. Together we are strong. Um, that that's come in from. I hope Olivia doesn't mention me. I won't mention Olivia's second name, but it came in from Olivia. Olivia, thanks for. Doing that and thanks for setting up that game Simon it doesn't seem like you're on your own no I know we're not um, you know and and I, I, the schools know we're, we're not but we felt I suppose the school's voice uh, in terms of we, 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 we always say to parents um, you know we, we are behind you we're, we're with you but I suppose there's, <laughs> there hasn't been a case where we've publicly done that you know I mean one of the I suppose one, one thing on your, your, your that text uh, sort of mentioned is that sometimes and in fact most of the time now the only place where a child is getting any form of intervention is in school and they're getting it from from teachers and SNAs who aren't qualified in these very specific kind of um, uh, 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 sort of uh, techniques and, and, and that, that are needed uh, in order for a child to be, it, it, I'm sort of trying to think of an analogy it would be like me presenting your show for example I mean I, I listen to the radio it doesn't mean I'm able to present a, 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 a news or a current oh, affairs so, I mean, program you probably do as I, a I job is made that's, that's, it's not that difficult <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should think about dancers. I'm <laughs> judging a dance. You know, I, I know. I yeah. It's it, it's uh. You just can't do it. You know, you're not. You know, we're not qualified to do it. But we're the only service. And I think there's a lot of um. You know, because we we, we do such a good job. And I'm not uh, I'm not trying to praise teachers too much. But I do think we do a very good job of um 
of taking on a lot of the problems of society in lots of different ways. And one of them is what you're trying to do is you're trying to uh, do your best through sort of goodwill and guesswork uh, to resolve some issues that children have, whether they're occupational therapies where, you know, you're getting children, you know, running up and down corridors and, and, and trying trying to, you know, do their best with reports. And But they need children need the specialised intervention, uh, interventions. And schools just... I mean, it's not about capacity here. We just actually don't. We 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 don't have the trend uh, to deal to to uh, do do work properly. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, actual proper work with, with the children and effectively. You know, it, it for the last decade, it's been allowed to just go on and on and on and on um, without um, without the required intervention and. I suppose it's it's something I suppose we felt very strongly about as a as a, as a community of, of of school leaders to just nearly um, put it out there um, in a different way. Yeah. We, we've we've gone through our norm. You go through your normal channels of you know the NCSC and the HSC and all the rest of them, but nothing's been happening for about a decade. So a decade. we said, you know what, a decade. Yeah, I, I, I could be could be more. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's another texter um, here, comment from listener: uh, Children with complex needs are left at home, uh, and this sort of goes to your point. I mean, that the only place they're getting support is in school, but they're left at home from June um, through July and August with no provision for these children. They need structures. They don't understand it's the summer holidays. There should be a special summer schools for them, and um, even if it's only a few days a week, what families are putting up with um, over the summer months is especially is unreal. Um, says Marion and Carlo. I, I think, as I said, Simon will probably agree. Simon, who is it that allocates that service? These services, or let's put it more 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 correctly, who is it that doesn't allocate these services to the schools? Which organisation? Uh, well. Yeah, it's the National Council for Special Education, like, and you know, they're they're they're, uh, they're in, the supposedly independent uh, body of the Department of Education. Uh, now, if you get in contact with them, they will send a press release saying that they've invested two billion euro in the uh, in special education. It's twenty five percent of the education budget. Blah 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 blah. But it's uh, you know, it, it, that's that's the response we get. And, and just in relation, sorry, just uh, not not to uh, that the text you just said. There, where I'm actually bringing uh, your speech to me from I'm in my school at the moment we run a, a, an extra month of school for uh, children with complex needs mm. um, and, and quite a few schools in Cardo uh, do do that uh, so that takes July up uh, so uh, and a number of schools you know do that but you know look it, it, again it's just throwing things back onto the school rather than um, uh, onto schools not just uh, my school but lots of schools uh, but it's really the services that are required really more I tell so you what we'll do, Simon. just We'll, we'll test out that yeah. theory. I'll ask Amy um, to get on to the NCSED um, for comments yeah. or statements and uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what sort of press release. May- maybe they might even give us somebody to speak to, Amy. We'll chance our arm on that one Um see if we can get somebody on air from, from them before 12 o'clock or even tomorrow. If it doesn't suit them to come on today, we'll gladly take them on tomorrow to have a chat with them. Um, and so I mean, we'll test right. out, um, we'll see if they get any... Um, response for them if it's just that press release I'll be interested to read the first line of the press release to see if it matches with your predictions um, yeah. how long is this I mean obviously we've all got to keep a pressure we've got the uh, the different groups you've got yourselves the 12 schools in Carlo hopefully there's other schools around the country doing similar and um, we heard from that listener who's got that uh, special down syndrome group um, of parents doing similar as well um, what's the next step 
I, I, my, my suggestion, if for what it's worth, is I think we can learn a lot uh, from. Um, I, I don't know if you, if you remember the yes equality groups that were that were around during the referenda, where and and I think the model they used, which was families sharing their personal stories, was one of the most effective. Um, campaigns that I've ever seen in Ireland, really, and you know we have we have uh, tens of thousands of stories um, that aren't being shared on one platform. And if there was some, I mean, I, I'd love to have the time to create that platform, but I'm sure there are, are uh, there busy? are places out there. That, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there are there are. Um, I'm sure there's a way where. Um, a, a campaign group that 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 brings everyone together. I mean, there's so many different. I I, I could there there could be a hundred groups out there, but bringing everyone together into one banner of you know similar to the Yes Equality campaign yeah. that was so successful over the last decade in in making huge societal changes. I think that's the model that will uh, that will make the difference. St- sharing stories and 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 essentially embarrassing the state into doing something. Well, well, that's shameful. I mean, that we have to go to the point where we're trying to embarrass the state into um, providing services um, for for some of our most vulnerable children in society. It's it's, it's ridiculous, in my opinion, that we're at that point. Um, Simon Lewis, principal of the mm. Educated Guest School, I really, really appreciate your time. You're you're doing much better work out there than than speaking to me. So I'll let you get back to it. But what I will do is that I'll, I'll continue chatting up with the, the the National Council for Special Ed. Amy is on at the moment, and um, I'll let Amy. Great. I'll get ask Amy to let you know if we get response to them. Maybe if we get a response for them before the end of the show, we might even read that response and get your comment on it if you uh, have the time in your busy schedule to do so. Um, Simon Lewis, Principal of the Educate Together in Carlottown, thank you for joining us this morning. It's 29 minutes past 10 o'clock. If you're out there like those other texters that have sent us messages in with similar sort of experiences um, and you'd like to maybe get behind Simon's campaign or the other various campaigns that we've talked about that are out there, uh, do let us know. 083 306 9696 that's our text and WhatsApp line. It's sponsored by Dinner's Ready, but it's there for you to get in contact with us. KCL or Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live. Just gone half past ten. Now, a commercial business success story from Carlo is the story of Zeus. Zeus is an Irish company deploying the world's first three-wheeled electric scooter for urban mobility sharing market. That's basically in simple terms where you can pop along to a location, rent a bike or a scooter for a few hours and use it to get about the town, do your business and drop it back. Uh, they're unique scooters with state-of-the-art technology and reliability that will ensure our users, this is Zeus, um, always enjoy the safest, smoothest and most stable ride. Be a Zeuser experienced a difference. Well, somebody who is a Zeuser, of course he has to be because he's the CEO and founder of Zeus Urban Eco or Eco Urban Scooters, is Damien Young. And Damien joins us on the line now from Carlo. Good morning, Damien. Hey, Brian, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Tell me about good. Zeus, where it started and the um, inception of it and how it's going today. Yeah, so uh, we, we formed uh, just before the COVID crisis in 2019. Um, my background is actually financial services, so very different. Um, but we saw a kind of a gap in the market whereby, you know, traditional e-scooters, um, you know, were two-wheel scooters. So we designed a very special uh, three-wheel scooter, which attracts a much wider audience. Uh, it's, it's obviously safer. It's more stable. Um, and we launched uh, that in the middle of COVID in 2020, um, in the German market. 
And uh, I suppose since then, I'm sitting here in Carlo in 2023. Uh, we've expanded to eight countries, two continents, uh, over 60 locations globally, um, including the UK, Europe, and as far as field as, as Malaysia. So it's been a great success story, and we've had great support from uh, Carlo Enterprise Board at the very start, Enterprise Ireland, um, and a number of local uh, investors. And we're here now based in Carlo with uh, Carlo staff, uh, in our offices in Kildallan. And how's the company growing? I mean, you talked about the countries that it's in, but in terms of the jobs that it's bringing to Carlo, it's a, it's a real local success story. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a, a, a policy here, you know, that we, we employ local people. So we have people from uh, Tullow, from Carlo Town, from um, Michel, from all, all parts of Carlo. So we, we employ about 15 people in the office here. Uh, we employ about 35 direct uh, employees uh, globally. And we also employ about 70 uh, contract uh, operators uh, across our jurisdictions. So we have a fleet of about 7,000 scooters, a few hundred uh, e-bikes, and a few hundred um, e-mopeds uh, in those locations. That's huge growth, I mean, as, a, as an idea that just started during the COVID pandemic. I know we're all trying to put that behind us, but let's face it, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that long ago we were stuck in the middle of it. It's huge initial growth. Yeah, it, it's been it's been a whirlwind. I mean, we we've expanded. Uh, we're one of the fastest uh, growing uh, micro mobility companies um, uh, in Europe. Um, we are now the largest and most successful micro mobility company in Ireland. Um, so it's 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 very um, we're very proud of what we've achieved here, and we've got some great people in the local area in Carlo. Uh, so massive growth. You said you're in, started off in Germany, Malaysia, Asia, all over the place, right? Um, but we obviously keep abreast of what's going on with the, with the various different county councils. And I mean, there was some annoyance expressed at I think it was probably Tuesday evening, Wednesday evening, possibly. Um, there was the, uh, the 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 various different county council meetings. But recently, some annoyance was expressed by uh, Ken Renane that the council executives couldn't provide certain information. Um, read those seeking a tender for provision for scooters and bikes, and it's long-winded, but here we go, um, locally, um, as a tender process is currently live. He says Carlo-based Zeus is seemingly up against an Eastern European company. John McDonald said it's very important the local group is looked as fa- looked at favourably, and Ken says they're world leaders in the technology that they employ. So, the great comments there from our councillors about the technology that you apply. Tender process ongoing um, for Carlo. You're all over the world. Uh, when will we be able to find you in Carlo? Yeah, so, so, so we obviously um, do the scooters. And just to, to give you some background, the legislation for e-scooters was only recently signed off by the president. Um, so that is going into law now. So um, probably around September, we will see um, that e-scooters are properly uh, regulated and legislated for uh, in Ireland, uh, which means we will see uh, e-scooters in both Carlo and in other locations uh, throughout the country. Um, e-bikes um, obviously are different legislation, so they are legal. Um, and uh, many councils have introduced e-bikes. We work with uh, one of the councils in Ireland. We've just launched a big scheme uh, in the UK, in Aylesbury um, and High Wycombe in, in the UK. Um, so we're very proud of our, our, our new bike scheme as well. Um, Carlo has, as you say, uh, has, has gone to a tender. Um, and unfortunately, um, what we have uh, heard as the outcome uh, which we find quite outrageous, is uh, that we, Zeus, a uh, local company employing local uh, 
uh, employees paying uh, Carlo uh, County Council rates, um, has lost the tender to a, uh, as you say, an Eastern European country with a very high um, uh, carbon footprint globally, um, uh, where where we lost that and we will not be um, deploying our e-bikes um, and potentially our e-scooters in Carlo for the foreseeable future, which is very disappointing, as you can imagine. So- um, but, you know, we, we are working with many other councils um, and abroad uh, to introduce both our scooters <laughs> and our bikes. So you're, you're in Carlo, right? Employing people in Carlo, producing these bikes and thankfully um, getting them all over the world. And yet Carlo County Council have decided to not issue uh, this contract for tender to a Carlo-based company. Did they give you any reason why? Yeah, so 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 there there there. I suppose the, the the tender process looks for a number of things, um, you know, within within the tender, and whatever you write on the docu- document is is what they take. So they don't take it into consideration um, that you're a local based company, that you have your operations uh, in the county, um, which we do have. Um, the winning tender does not have that. Um, we also have an extremely low uh, carbon footprint because we are focused one hundred percent. Uh, on environmental um, uh, processes, etc. Um, the winning tender, uh, you know, they, they, they have quite a lot of uh, uh, petrol-based taxis right around the world. So they have quite a high carbon footprint. So, um, But, you know, we, we, we're, we're disappointed with this because we do have a lower carbon footprint. Mm. We are a, low, uh, a, 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 a local company paying local rates, paying uh, local salaries. Um, and contributing to the local community. Um, but unfortunately, this is uh, the outcome of, uh, I suppose, a, a group of individuals within Carlo County Council. But they did, they did, so they didn't give you a reason. The tender process doesn't allow them to give you a reason why, though, does it? So they, they didn't say to you, well, well listen, Damien, we're going to give it to the other company because you know, the other company's scooters are they're face safer or they're faster or they're cheaper. Or they, they, they just said, now we're giving it to, to this other company. Yeah, so 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 what what they've said is that the other company has more initiatives around carbon reduction, even though their carbon footprint um, is significantly higher uh, than ours. Um, so they they do what this what the, what they call in the industry is greenwashing, uh, which is basically trying to offset some of the carbon footprint uh, that they have. We don't do that because uh, we don't need to, right? Because yeah. we have a low carbon footprint. Um, so what what the the as was the competitor presented to them um, is greenwashing, and as a result of of greenwashing, um, it was accepted as a winning tender. Well, I'm you sure know, I'm sure the other company, I mean, applied for the tender in terms of the, as as was outlined by the tender document in the first place. I mean, it's not their fault that that, that they got the tender. It's it's just a, a bit, it seems no, no. a bit strange to me that that Carlo um, County Council issued a tender to a foreign company to to be able to to supply these services when there was one in Carlo seemingly well capable of actually doing it. How long yeah. is the tender for, Damien? How long will it be before you get a chance to have another bite of the cherry? Yeah, so so this this, this is uh, for one year. And look, we are absolutely, you know, I mean, you know, there has to be proper competition. And, you know, that, that, that any company should be able to go for this. But in terms of the kind of the standard comparatives, as well as the fact that, that we are local. So therefore, you know, when, when we're local... Um, you know, we, we can respond to things, issues happen very, very quickly um, and because we're based here. 
Um, so for the next year, unfortunately, we won't see Zeus on the streets of Carlo, uh, but we will see. Ah, but you, we can jump on a plane to uh, Malaysia. We can experience them in Malaysia. <laughs> be, be handy enough. If you fancy knowing what a three-wheeled electric scooter feels like to be on, uh, you can get them in the UK, I think, as well. But Malaysia is a nice spot to head off to as well, if you want yeah. to. <laughs> that's, that's, that's one of our spots. And as I say, we have, them, I mean, we have Irish people during the summer ringing us about having tried out the... Uh, the scooters in places like Heidelberg and Würzburg and Regensburg in Germany. Uh, so it's terrific to see an Irish company, you know, expand into the European market like this. And Germany is a difficult market. Um, uh, but it would be, I mean, obviously when I set this company up, um, I set it up to support Ireland. Um, you know, this is why we don't have our head office in Germany. Um, this is why we employ local people in Carlo. It is to support the local uh, economy, uh, the local community. And we've set out that from, from day one. And yes, I suppose we're disappointed, you know, that the start of this process, uh, we've hit a stumbling block uh, in our local uh, our, our local environment, which is mm. very disappointing. Damien Young, CEO and founder of Zeus Eco Urban Scooters. Uh, thanks for joining us today. And uh, seeing as I can't officially get one um, anywhere in Carlow at the moment, I might have to pop down to, to, to the offices and see if I can zoom up and down Do your office on one of the three-wheel scooters and experience them. You're, you're more than welcome. Well, hopefully yeah. we'll be talking to you next year when you win the next tender process. That's Damien Young, CEO and founder of Zeus Eco Urban Scooters. We're going to take a short little break, after which we'll be talking Greenway. KCL or live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo Kilkenny KCLR. Yes, it's uh, fourteen minutes to eleven o'clock this Thursday morning, the thirteenth of July. Um, we're gonna do this because we haven't done it yet this morning. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR with thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at Lahart's Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahart's.ie. Now, if you'll be listening all week, you'll know that that means it's a chance to win two hundred euros if you can identify what our mystery sound is. We haven't given you any clues yet. It could be absolutely anything. But if you can work out what this sound is, text me or WhatsApp me on 083 306 9696. And if you get it right, I'll give you the money. Have a listen. People were starting to get touch closer yesterday. Regular listeners to the show, as always with these type of competitions, it takes a day or two to get the feeling for them. Um, I can see by the guesses coming in, they're getting closer. And if you can tell me what that is, 083-306-9696. Get it right, and I'll give you 200 euros. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at Lahart's Volkswagen Kenny. Visit lahart's.ie. Now, there's more good Greenway news because the first segment of the South East Greenway is to be officially opened by Minister of State in the Department of Transport, Jack Chambers, on July 25th. The segment is it's about six kilometres long. It goes from Ross Berkin down to Glenmore um, and the stretch and the public will have be able to access it through its entrance gates um, from early afternoon. Joining me now to tell me more about it and has he seen it? What's it like? Tomas Bratnock, Labour Councillor from South Kenny, joins us on the show this morning. Good morning, Tomas. Good, good morning, Brian. How are you? The Greenway is just, it's this ongoing, continuing um, stream of good news, really, isn't it? It is. It, it, we'd say the opening on the Tuesday week, on the 25th of July, is the opening of the first section of the Greenway. As you said, Brian, it's a six-kilometre stretch. The entire Greenway is about 24 kilometres. Yeah. So it's one quarter of the 
the green way being opened. And if people are trying to visualise it in their minds, they can just take it from the Kilkenny side in, of the approach in Duras to the big roundabout where you go across in Glenmore, where you go across over to the Rose Kennedy Bridge. So, um, and we'd say what it'll do is it'll give people the benefit of the Greenway for that six-kilometre section in its own right. But I think also what it will do for people is it will give them a great idea of the potential of the entire Greenway um, when it opens up, probably going into 2025 at this stage because there are other sections of the Greenway at different stages of uh, development at the present time. But I think what we might be looking at is the full greenway opened in 2025. Yeah, I mean, they've already said that the, the 5K stretch that's going to go from Ferrybank to Curramore, and um, they're hoping to commence work and uh, construction on that in August. I think I presume they mean August of this year. And that contract duration is expected to be 12 months. So we're not that far away, 12, 13 months or so away from another 5K um, stretch being opened up as well. Um, are you happy with the uptake on the greenway in terms of its use? Uh, people cycling, walking, running, what a jogging? whatever they want to do on the Greenway um, is it starting to become part of people's uh, exercise and social life? Yeah, well I suppose if I were being honest today, Brian, it hasn't been opened officially and you you have the only evidence that someone like myself can use is the experience on the other Greenway yeah. uh, in the southeast, and particularly the, the experience of people for, and a lot of people from South Kilkenny going to the Water Greenway to use it and one of the great benefits of the the Greenway for South Kilkenny, and by the way, I'd say it's not just a great boom for South Kilkenny, but for the entire county of Kilkenny and for the southeast as a region. And what has been at the forefront of everybody's mind since the whole Greenway concept started was the possibilities of the connectivities to other greenways in the region. Mm. So what will happen is as you come through Ferrybank, there'll be a route across the North Keys over the new pedestrian uh, access bridge uh, over the River Shores of Waterford, and people will be able to progress onto the, the Waterford Greenway. So effectively, somebody in time could leave, we say, in your ass and walk all the way or cycle all the way to Dungarvan. <laughs> they, they want a fairly decent pair of walking shoes to cover that distance. Yeah, but what a lot of people do is, it's say you have some people who do take it for the entire length, uh, but say for a lot of people what they do is uh, is they use a, a section of the Greenway at a time, and then over time what they do is they visit different sections of it. And what will be very a great enhancement of the, the, the Greenway experience for a lot of people, particularly for people from Glenmore and from Sleeveroo, is that they, they're looking at the possibility of access directly from the villages of, of Glenmore and Sleeveroo getting onto the Greenway, and the feasibility and design options reports are completed for the two of those, mm. with the hope to go to Part A public consultation uh, later this summer. So that will be an exciting uh, addition to the, the, the Greenway experience, because what it'll do is, like you were saying, it'll make access to the Greenway is second nature to people because it'll only be they'll be, be able to access it from their own villages. Yeah, they can, they can go out for a stroll around their own local part that they'd sort of maybe do once a week or twice a week and then jump in the car at the weekend and go off and visit a different part. It's a great initiative. I really, really enjoy hearing about the Greenway as you said, that section's due to open on the 25th of July. I presume you'll be down there yourself. 
I would, of course. That's Actually, talking about would. going places yourself, um, I, I heard you were a fairly handy hurler for Kilmacow back in your day. Will you be heading up to Crow Park on uh, a Saturday week or Sunday week? I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to be in Crow Park on Sunday week. I think it's, you say from uh, um, a Kilkenny's perspective, uh, we've admired them all season and the, their exhibition against um, last weekend was, was fabulous and I think the opponents, Limerick, I think it's great that Kilkenny and Limerick would have this duel. Uh, and, <laughs> and well, we, we hope for the, the right outcome. That I, when I say, put it like that. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, th- I think as a Kilkenny County Councillor, you're, 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 you're allowed to say that the right outcome would be a Kilkenny win. Uh, Tomás Bernal, right. if you get up there, enjoy it. If you don't, I'm sure you'll be listening to KCLR. We'll have a fabulous coverage for you for the final. Uh, Tomás Bernal joining us there for Labour Councillor for Kilkenny, talking about the uh, opening of the next section of that South East and Greenway happening on the 25th of July. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. Kilkenny, Carlo, KCLR. Yes, you're very welcome back to KCLR. It's 5 to 11. Uh, news at 11 is on the way. Don't forget, though, keep your entries coming in to try and pick up those two family packs to Fox McFadden's Fun Fair on the Hebron Road for three days, kicking off uh, tomorrow. Friday the 14th, running through till Sunday the 16th of July. All your favourite attractions. And I won't read those lyrics again, the old shangy dangy dingy ding ding bop bop changy changy whatever there was. I'll just play the clip for you. And if you can tell me what movie this is from, text it or WhatsApp it to 083 306 9696. I can do that bit. That must have taken, I don't know how long they spent on the grease set. Oh, I just, I, just, I, just, I just made a boo-boo, Amy. Amy, I just made a boo-boo. I just gave a clue away. If you were cute enough to be listening to what I just said, you probably now know what movie that was from. 083 306 Get your text WhatsApp answers in. Tell me what movie that's from. We'll be picking two winners um, to go through and uh, pick up those family packs the four, 20 tickets in each of the family packs uh, for that fun fair you can bring every, every, every child in the estate and every cousin and auntie and um, don't forget to bring granny and granddad which as well they'll be able to pick up the bill for, for some treats that they might experience out there 083 306 9696 coming up after the news at 11 there's a, there's a lady I'm really really interested in speaking to because Rebecca Harold she's the founder of Translife here in Kilkenny and a new Leaving Cert sex education curriculum with fully integrated LGBTQ plus relationships um, has been sort of passed. It's going to be happening. It's happening in different times and different places for the for the junior school um, curriculum. I mean, not junior school, for the secondary school, but junior cycle curriculum. It's kicking off in September. And then there's new section coming then for the senior cycle uh, the following September. Um, it deals with all sorts of extra stuff. It's inclusive in its nature of the proposals. The NCCA says that the curriculum is designed to support high-quality teaching and learning in order to meet the needs of all young people and it's to be delivered in an inclusive way. We'll be hearing a lot more about that um, as uh, we're joined by Rebecca Harold, founder of Translife here in Kilkenny, just after the news at 11. We've also got Hours to Protect coming your way on this week's episode of Hours to Protect. Amy McLaughlin spoke to Ken Yates 
um, from Elderflower Gardening Group about how they make a difference to our environment as a community in their retirement years. I might pick up some garden tips from them as well. I'll stay tuned to that. But you can keep in contact with us, 083 306 9696. Um, and the news at 11 is, it, is on the way. KCL or Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Just coming up on the news at 11 o'clock, but just to remind you, earlier on we were speaking to Simon Lewis, the principal of Educator School in Carlow, about the uh, complete lack of services for children with special needs. Um, we've been on as promised to the National Council for Special Ed, NCSED. We haven't yet had a response, but Amy will stay on it and we'll bring you that response if and when we get it. But now, at 11 o'clock, it's time to hand over to Ashling Bolton-Dowling in the newsroom. Ah, thank you very much. We are very welcome along to KCLR Live. Are you enjoying your morning so far? Early start with John Walsh this morning? Yes, early start. But I don't mind the early starts. It's not too bad. Uh, how's, he, how's, he, how's he treating you? Is he he's not, lovely, yeah. He's ah, very he's lovely, nice. Isn't he, yeah. Had the chats in the morning. But Was yeah, he in lovely. good form or bad form now this morning? Good form. He's always in good form. He's not always in good I'll form. I'll say that's why I don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see, because I, I, I'm a Manchester United fan, as many listeners will know, and John Walsh is a very avid Leeds United mm-hmm. supporter. And unfortunately, um, yesterday, Manchester United managed to beat Leeds 2 0 in a friendly. And what makes it even worse is it's probably, barring cup matches, the only time Leeds will get to play Manchester United this year, because, of course, these were relegated. At least he's not a sore loser. Uh, he, no, he's not a sore loser. He can be a sore loser at times <laughs> as well. So uh, when the, when the uh, I was going to see Premier League, but Premier League doesn't matter to John much anymore. When this football season kicks off, I would suggest just a little tip mm-hmm. for dealing with him. Before you go to bed on a Sunday evening, check how Leeds have done in the football at the weekend before you head in. Because it will really determine um, mm-hmm. how well things are going or aren't going on okay. the Monday morning. Thanks for that advice. You're very welcome. No problem at all. Uh, talk to you again at 12 o'clock. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Now you're welcome back. And the new Leaving Cert sex education curriculum will be fully integrated um, with the needs of the LGBTQ plus relationships. Uh, the new Leaving Cert sex education curriculum will normalise lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and other LGBT plus identities, relationships and families. Uh, rather than marginalising them in sort of standalone lessons, which I think is how it's been sort of dealt with up till now, if at all. The government's curriculum advisors say the approach to be taken with students will be inclusive, underpinned by principles of equality, human rights and responsibilities. Um, fairly radical changes and joining me in studio now to talk to me about her own life, her own experiences and how she hopes those changes will mean that uh, kids today will have a different experience than what she did. Rebecca Harold is founder of Translife and she joined us in studio now. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Brian. Thank you very much for having Listen, me. Listen, pleasure to have you in. I mean, these new announcements, the new senior cycle curriculum, um, which integrates both the SPHE, um, which is a part of the curriculum that wasn't even in existence when I was in, in school, to be honest with you, and RSE, for the first time, will be introduced in September next year for the senior cycle in uh, in Leaving Certs and for the uh, it'll follow on the rollout of an updated SPHE curriculum for the junior cycle classes this September. Um, have you seen the new curriculum? Have you have you had a I chance? Haven't to seen it yet? No. So let's talk about then the curriculum as it was back in. I'm going to say yeah. my day. I'm not going to. I'm not, I'm not going to put you in the same. I'm 46. I was 77, 87, 1990. I would have been in secondary school. Um, I don't remember ever in in any school, secondary school or primary school, discussing the needs of the LGBTQI plus community at all. 
No, I agree. I was the same age yourself. And I know I was in, I remember at one stage in the school I was in here, the local school, the tech as we called it, uh, they would have had a lot of people in speaking different talks, but never did anybody ever come in to do a talk on LGBT. And as one of my dreams now was to go back to schools and start teaching that, uh, giving them just my life experience yeah, and yeah. help and advice, especially to teachers and parents who are completely lost what to do. Um, are you OK with talking about your own life yeah, at school? No going so so t- let, let's treat it. Remember that programme that used to be on um, This Is Your Life, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> let's treat it like that. So your man comes in with the big red book and he says, uh, Rebecca Harold, uh, this is your life. Uh, tell me about growing up. Uh, well, God, me. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was most or less. I spent my childhood between the hospitals. Yeah, okay. I wasn't in one. I was in the other. But uh, I was uh, from the age of four. And I remember struggling with my identity. Mm. I remember one stage I was in. There was always, I remember the age because I was in Tremor and there was a photo taken of me with this girl. I had the red boat in my hand. And this was one of the times feelings. You had the red boat in your hand. I had the red boat in my hand. I still remember this red boat. Yeah, what's interesting to me is I think when people remember a detail like that, yeah. It shows just how much that photograph is obviously imprinted on you. I can't remember photographs of me when I was that age. You know, couldn't tell you the thing about them. But you can remember the specifics of that red boat. Yeah, what remember. was it about that photograph that didn't sit well with you? I don't know, I think it was just the way maybe I was sitting and the way uh, the way I just felt inside mm. and again struggling then there was another around the same time or a bit older my best friend next door was a girl and one day we were in the toilet and that's when I realised her body was different than mine Yeah, and I started to question this again in my head which again I haven't a clue what's going on or what you know and it kept us pushing it away uh, but the feelings just kept coming up when I'd been in hospital at one stage I wanted me, but it was always again friends automatically with the girls. Yeah, it was only once I remember with a guy actually, but yeah, uh, yeah, this one girl every weekend when the, it'd be quite enough there wouldn't be any surgeries going on in Luke's at the time back then on the weekends, so we used to dress up as nurses. Yeah, and just going around the nurses to give it loans, their hats, their aprons, and yeah, just stuff like that was it was kind of released again. I was so happy. Uh, but again, couldn't understand what was going on and these feelings. So you were you were quite young then, you know, four, five, oh, six, yeah, seven, definitely. eight. Oh, definitely. I can remember the first time, but it wouldn't have happened now. But it was baby infants or high infants, one or the other, I can't remember which. But uh, the first day we were told, if any of the boys now are bold, uh, there was a box of dresses and they'll be made wearing. You were probably acting up the whole time to get, to get into the box of dresses. Oh, I was so excited, but I knew I'd be one of the ones I wouldn't get in trouble. <laughs> I was saying oh. to myself, oh, feck. Yeah. But uh, yeah, and no, it actually happened. Another friend of mine, Linda in Dublin, she had the same experience. <laughs> the and like me, she was all excited as well. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on then a little bit. Let's take it into your sort of early teenage years. Um, 12, 13, 14 is when most people yeah. start to, to, to properly explore their sexuality yeah. um, and their gender identity. Uh, you talked about how when you were younger, four, five, six, seven, eight, you just had a happy feeling. Oh, yeah. Did you always have that happy feeling or did it ever get to the point where it became um, a conflicted sort of difficult experience for you? Oh, definitely. Like one of my friends now who's lesbian in du- uh, sorry, not in Dublin, over in England, We'd often talk now and again about it because I, back then, I would have had loads of pen pals. Mm. I had 60 plus. 
And uh, case you're buying something out of stamps with sixty pound belt. Oh, I had a trick. <laughs> oh, don't don't. <laughs> they be knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah, but you never thought of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a struggle. I used to. I start around that age. I started cross dressing, mm. and for me, the safest way because I wasn't out or didn't quite understand what was happening, because I grew up in Ireland at a Catholic condition, social condition that it was sick, it wasn't right, it was wrong. I was cross-dressing, but the way I was cross-dressing was I was wearing underwear underneath my clothes. Yeah. That way no one had a clue what was going on. If I had a pair of tights, I'd have a, maybe a mirror in front in the room and I'd be walking up and down looking at the mirror trying to see, can you notice, would anyone notice that's underneath? Yeah. And how did it, how did the cross-dressing make you feel? Like, because, <laughs> I mean, this, uh, I'm trying to understand it, right? So, I can imagine that there was a sense of joy in it because you were getting a chance to express yourself, even in secretly, as you said, oh, you were yeah. covering her up. But yet you're having to do it secretly. So how did how did you feel when you were when you were doing that? Yeah, I felt I felt happy, and at the same time, because I said with the way we were, we were mm. feeling guilty and it wasn't right. So when say like for example, family would go off maybe for a day, I'd go up to the back of the garden and I'd burn all the clothes, I'd put them in the bin. And I'd say to myself, I can't do this anymore, I'll go off to hell. And uh, within a month, I'm back online and I'm ordering clothes or I'm getting them from somewhere. Eventually, in my early 20s, I ended up working in a charity shop. And because I was the manager and I had the key, I'd been early before everyone. Mm. And again, now and again, I'd pull down some of the clothes and try them on. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was your family life like in terms of... Uh, at what point did you come out to your family? I only came out to my family about five, six years ago. And unfortunately, parents had died, so they never got to meet their daughter. That's the hardest part for me. Uh, but family How do you think they would have embraced their daughter? I think my father might have struggled a bit at the start, but he would have accepted it. And I think my mother definitely would have accepted it. Mm. I think, no, I think the boat would have accepted and embraced me and accepted me. And would you have loved to have the opportunity to go cloud shopping with your mum? Oh, God, definitely. Can you imagine cloud shopping and <laughs> going for a cup of tea in the scone and getting your hair done afterwards? I uh, know, if it would have been, I would have loved it, but I'm just blessed that the family have been so supportive. And that was one of the things I struggled with first for a counsellor in Dublin for a while. Mm. It's that the fact that I had so much support from the family because there's so many that I have met and I have talked to when they have come out, uh, their families have kicked them out of their home. I mean, it's it's... Shocking, but not surprising to yeah. me that this is still going on. Yeah. Um, but we're going to move on to talk about education and yeah. the education system. I mean, do you think that if the education system had been different at the time, that you would have been able to come out earlier and therefore enjoy the relationships with everybody in your life, your family, potential partners, your friends, um, as you? Oh, definitely. Like, I'm only starting to live my life now. If I had to be taught, if I was being taught in school back then, I would have felt, you know, normal that it was okay. Because the way I felt in school, I always felt different. I remember even a confirmation, that one of the confirmation I was in the all by school, uh, the CBS primary, which now thankfully in September they're taking on girls as well. Yeah. Because I remember going there as well the first time and for, for the first couple of weeks I couldn't understand where's all the girls, when are they coming in? Yeah, and then when it came to the confirmation, I'll always have it in me in my head. It came to one stage, I turned around, looked down the centre of the aisle, 
and you had the boys on one side and the girls on the other, which was from the presentation uh, primary. And yeah, just struggling with that. And again, just going through all my teens in school, struggling, trying to fit in and trying to understand what's going on. And when I was around then, there was no Google, there was no Internet. Mm. And it was only when I started to get older, when Google started to arrive and I started to go on Yahoo websites. Yeah. There were uh, Yahoo forums and that's when I started to... Did you think you were on your own? Yeah, I thought it was definitely on my own, especially in Kilkenny. Then I remember a couple of years back walking in the high street and there was this girl, a trans girl, obviously I knew looking. But... uh, (laughs) (laughs) The radar was working, was it? (laughs) It was. It was functional. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I spotted this trans woman and she was wearing a dress and I just felt so envious that, God, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Or another time up, we were in secondary school again and we were going to some some event up in Trinity College and as I was walking out the gates and I always remember there was this trans woman coming out and of course all the fellas like laughing and joking about her and I was just dumbfounded I was just had no words because I was just in awe of her yeah yeah you had somebody even in that one moment yeah, to sort exactly. of look up to um, it's key I think that young people people anybody um, doesn't have to go through that sort of sense of seclusion and no, loneliness and, and stuff like that. No, and I think a lot of that's education that's moment in schools, it's a lot of miseducation, a lot of ignorance. Like in 1985, you had Ryan White. Ryan White was a haemophiliac. He had a blood transfusion. In 1985, he was banned from school. The teachers and the parents got together, got a petition to ban this young lad because he had AIDS. They were afraid their young their children were going to get AIDS. It's the same with people that are against this education in schools. They think because their child sits beside someone, if they're trans or a lesbian, gay, any of the LGBT plus letters, that they're going to become a member of the community. It's not, we need support. They need to support your child. I'd rather have a happy and a healthy child than a child dead. Mm. Did you? Uh, it's like just seventy-eight percent have either felt. This is a research for young people in schools. Seventy-eight percent have felt unsafe because of their identity in schools, and this shouldn't be the case. When 16%. did you most feel unsafe? Was it when you were in school? Yeah, stage I wasn't at. But I was always afraid to come out. My sisters, particularly, they were afraid when I came out in case I was going to get beaten up on the street. How old were you when you came out? You when you're, when you're I was in early 40s. Wow. I had to wait that long to come out because, again, in Ireland, I was terrified I was going to go to hell. And again, the way things are portrayed on the telly. In films, for example, i never seen him myself, but it's Ventura, apparently, at the end of that, he discovers someone he's with is trans and he runs to a toilet and vomits up. This mm. is the stuff, you know, that's in your head or I would have helped See, they're the things that, like, I mean, I, t- I think I've probably seen that film at some point, but it, that never even resonated with me when I saw it at the time because I'm not living through that. Yeah. You know, you are. Yeah. Um, Stay with us. I mean, it's it's so important that we, that we talk about these issues because I've got, um, I've got two kids of my own. Yeah. They're both still very young. They are whatever they are. They'll be whatever they'll be. I'm yeah. quite happy with that. Um, 
I've got lots of friends who've got children similar sort of ages, and I, I already know of it's. I already know of. Um, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to find the correct term. And this person is already expressing yeah. um, that they they feel they're a, a trans woman. Yeah. Um, and that's causing huge difficulties for that family in terms of them dealing with it and going through it. I've also got uh, gay friends who've got children of their own, um, slightly different from your story, obviously, yeah. but nevertheless, the acceptance of the LGBTQI plus community is key right across their societies. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to have you in studio, Rebecca Harold. Stay with us. It's 20 minutes past 11 o'clock. Um, text and WhatsApp lines are open 083 306 9696. Um, you're more than happy to text us whatever you want, but I'd love if anybody had messages of support out there for anybody that might be going through similar. And don't forget, if, if anything that we're talking about today does um, have any resonance with you and you need to get help or advice from anybody, and we'll talk about the access to help and advice with Rebecca in a few moments' time. But don't forget, we have a huge page of help and advice lines on KCLR, KCLR Live. Uh, 96fm.com um, forward slash help you'll find everything that you need on there uh, 21 minutes past 11 o'clock um, I'll be back with you in a moment KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie KCLR KCLR Welcome back to KCLR live 23 minutes past 11 o'clock I'm joined in studio by a Rebecca Harold, she's the founder of uh, Trans Life because we're talking about uh, a change to the Leave and Cert sex education curriculum to now fully integrate LGBTQ plus um, education, communication, whatever you want to call it, just talking about people. Um, let me know if you've got any questions, comments, 083 306 9696. Rebecca, what's, what's life like for you now? As you said, it's not that long. You've admitted, and you did it, you admitted that you're nearly the same age as me yeah. or, or in a very similar age bracket anyway. Yeah. Um, so what's life like as a, uh, living as a woman, um, yeah. uh, now in twenty? What are we, 2023 now at this stage? I know you said 2014, 2023. Um, what's it like on a practical level? Yeah, it's great. Like, because God, I said, I'm every trans person that has a different story. Here in Kilkenny, I've been blessed that I've been lucky, nothing has happened to me. I'm fine. Uh, no, no, that's not true, though. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you may be fine, and you say nothing has happened to me, right? But what you mean, what I think you mean by that is that you have me beaten up. Nobody's attacked yeah, you. Exactly. You haven't been assaulted. Yeah. But things have happened. I mean, you you talked to me for, for recently, and I don't mention the gym because it's not about yeah. picking on them, but, but you're a member of a gym and uh, they allowed you to join the gym with a clause that said you could use change rooms on a three-month trial basis to see how the practicalities and logistics of access was going to, to work out. Yeah, there was a fear um, how members react. And so you were given access to the female dress rooms? Yeah, say like, for example, I was in the male the first, because I wasn't fully transitioned at this yeah. stage, and I wasn't wearing Have you fully transitioned now? That's oh, a very yeah, personal question, <laughs> apologies, but I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, just to set the context for people. Uh, so you are a woman. I have, I have started medically transition. Right, okay, you have started medically transition. Yeah. But they still... So, okay. Did you... Let's look at the logistics of this. You walk in, you take a membership of a gym out. Yeah. At what point do you say to them, I'm a trans woman? Because you could have you just no, ignored yeah, it, yeah, couldn't I, you? I often look back and said, I didn't need to see anything. Why did I see anything? Why did you? I think it was because... I was only starting to come out and I hadn't started medically transition. I wasn't presenting as female at this stage. Right, okay. Mm. So, 
Yeah, so for a while, well, I didn't think I was presenting this female. <laughs> <laughs> Until I was being stopped every night, at least twice, going into the gym, into the male changing room by men asking me, stop me, why are you in here? You should be in here. And one night I remember saying to somebody, because I didn't know what to say, they were real manly advice, why are you doing here? And I just turned around at the end and said, sorry, I have no choice. That must have been an unusual feeling as well, because you obviously um, are female. Um, you've always wanted to be seen as female. Yeah. And here you are with a man going, hey, missus, I'm going to put yeah. Hey, missus, what are you doing going into the male's dressing rooms? So uh, in one sense, you were actually achieving what you'd always wanted yeah. to achieve and being identified as female. But it was presenting problems. Yeah, and I could, I could I can't, can't, can't understand. But uh, yeah, it was creating problems and it was making it awkward for me. I was, now what I didn't say, but I couldn't have seen it happening, but I was afraid of being attacked. Right. Or something going to happen to me if I kept going into the male change room. And mentally, it was very Playing in your mind, yeah. Playing in my head mentally. So you went back to the, 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 the people so, that run the gym yeah, and said, listen. And I said, look, I need to use the female change room that this is affecting my mental health. Yeah. And straight away there was concern about adults and kids. Mm. The usual when LGBT is mentioned, they think if you're gay, lesbian, etc., that you're. Uh, I don't even don't even say it because that's yeah. just it's absolute rubbish. Exactly. Um, Texter and Brian, fair play to that. Here you go. There's two comments, two compliments here in one go. Right, you ready for both these? Brian, fair play to that young person for coming into your show uh, and speaking about this. I only came out. Um, I only came in and got some of the conversation. Um, this world is a cruel place and we should be allowed to live and let live as we wish. Uh, it's a sort of mantra that I have as well, that as long as you're living your life without trying to hurt or damage other people, exactly. you should be allowed to get on with being. Yeah, like all we want to do is walk up and down the street the same as anybody else without, you know, having name calls or somebody passing a smart remark. Or the other thing that I've seen about trans people when they ring up maybe for a takeaway, because maybe they haven't had voice training or they're not doing voice training, automatically they're misgendered on the phone. And then that's upsetting the person then. So say maybe if I rang up a phone and they'd say, hi, sir, how are you? On another day, I'll always remember it. Went up to Dublin, had a fantastic day shop and I was high as a kite, cloud 9.20. And as I was getting out of the taxi, the taxi driver turned around, good night now, sir. Mm. And straight away, I just fell straight down. And hit the floor, and I was just so upset. And yeah, just so. I mean, that, that type sad. of stuff. I mean, it's massive in terms of how it affects you. But I think the vast majority of it, I'd like to think the vast majority yeah. of it isn't done with any malice, or yeah. is it? Like, do you think that taxi driver that night was having a dig? No, I, I don't think so. I think he genuinely meant a mistake. But then I also said some people, look how the how the person is presenting. Mm. Or if you're not sure of someone if they're trans or not or what pronouns. Just maybe introduce yourself. Like I'd say, hi, my name is Rebecca. My pronouns are she, her. Yeah. And the other person then will reply. Because I've, on occasion through my life, come across a person that may or may not have been transgender. And it's yeah. happened a few times where you just, you just, oh, jeez, I'm not quite sure. I, it happened actually, it happened one time um, here, not physically yeah. in the building, but I was looking at a photograph of, of people who were going to be guests on the show. There was yeah. two of them. And I actually had to go and get somebody to check, simply because I couldn't identify by looking at yeah. the, the photograph as to whether the second guest was actually male or female. Mm. I had their name, but it was also one of those names that could have been oh, male yeah. or female. Yeah. Um, 
I think there's a lot of people out there, there's a lot of goodwill out there in this country. We're good like that. But I think a lot of people don't know how to handle those sort of situations. And what you've just suggested there is a very good piece of practical advice. If you don't know, introduce yourself. Yeah, exactly. Or even as I said, if someone, if you're working in a takeaway place or anywhere, or dentist, if someone rings you up and you're not sure, you needn't say, hi, sir, how can I help you? Hi, how are you? Welcome to yeah. Dental don't, don't Clinic. Don't, uh, don't gender do identify them if you're not yeah, sure. exactly, yeah. Um, how do you feel about um, changes to the school curriculum regarding sex education? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it needs to happen. Uh, to help people. Again, to inform people, more and more people at a younger age are having sex. They're going off to, your, to have their phones all the time now, like maybe from the age of three or four or whatever, some kids have mobiles and they're getting access to the internet. They're talking to their friends in the schoolyard. Is that a good thing? Well, unfortunately, it's the way we're, we're in now that we can't prevent a child from going on the internet and looking things up from talking to each other. Okay, so I think what, what I'm taking from that is that people are becoming more aware um, of the fact that we are a, a nation of difference, I suppose. We're, we're a, a planet of difference, you know. Yeah. We're a whole planet full of different species and every species all sorts of colours and creeds and sexualities and everything else in it as well. Um, and you feel that by changing the sex education curriculum, it opens up those conversations and allows people to understand. Yeah, like I think, I said even years ago, so when I was a child struggling with the gender identity, but now there's more and more kids coming out younger. Because the, the half the words, the terms like transgender, I didn't know the word transgender until I was in my thirties. Yeah. Where now... What would you say to somebody who might say that access to this information is... I'm not going to say what I would yeah. say, right? Because I'll get into trouble for saying it, but you can say what you want. Um, what would you say to somebody who might come in with a comment that, you're, you, for example, you're either male, male or female, you're born with a particular DNA, and you're one or the other, you can't change it. Again, I think it's down to social conditioning. As soon as we were born, the two boxes, you're either male or female. Mm. If you're born intersex, the the person that has no choice is the surgeon decides what uh, gender the person is going to So I think the answer to people with, with questions about being either born male or female, that's actually factually untrue because yeah, there untrue. are people who are born... Like even back as far as the Roman days, there was a trans woman. Mm. Uh, Icola's... Bala, I think was her, right. her name. But they were actually looking to pay one of the surgeons. Well, back then, they wouldn't, she wouldn't have had any luck. But <laughs> she would have paid one of the surgeons to perform surgery for uh, gender confirming surgery for her. She was trying to get one of the surgeons to pay this. And, you know, as a society in Ireland has progressed and moved along so much, is, is transgender and... Mm, is transgender one of the last big taboos, do you think? Yeah, I think, I think so. this part of the world, we say part of Europe, it's just so, we're not up to date. People think it's a new thing. As I said, we have been around centuries. Mm. And people think, oh, this is a new craze. This is a new thing. The a worst new craze. Thing, <laughs> and the worst thing you can <laughs> oh, say to a child, because I've had a child recently that came to me, and they came out to their parents as trans, and the parents just brushed them off and said, oh, it's just a phase you're going through. You'll grow out of it. But I think psychologists would often say that so, but some of them that it has to be a process for people there is a danger oh, I think is. like I'm a huge supporter of LGBTQ plus rights right but I do think I would I would say that 
there is a, gen- a danger, particularly in very, very young people. My daughter, right? My daughter, yeah. right? She's mad, right? She's eight years of age. She's the biggest girly girl that you'll yeah. ever meet. Loves going out shopping, loves all this type of stuff. Um, she said she's going to marry her best friend from across the road. Yeah. Do I think she's a lesbian? Well, time will tell, but I don't think so. Um, so there is maybe an element of, particularly with very young people, leaving them time, leaving them space to fully explore these things. Yeah. Uh, that needs to be accepted as well, doesn't it? And it does, yeah. Like I said, like herself, and I have a natural niece. Yeah. And she said that one night to her sister, the sister was messing about her son. And I forget what the whole conversation was, more or less that her daughter turned around and said to her, but how do you know, Mammy, that he marry a girl? He might marry a boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Isn't it great to see the kids yeah, have got that sort of open, open sort of view? Okay, and hopefully, like, hopefully uh, the changes to the, the sex ed curriculum will allow uh, people to to explore their own sexualities. And I, th- I think more importantly, I yeah, genuinely... Like me, a lot of it is down to miseducation. And I'd often say that so I love for these people that give out about trans people or anyone from the LGBT plus community. Just sit down, spend a half an hour, an hour just sitting down and having a coffee, get to know us. Well, listen, on that note, I'm going to actually read you a text message that came in um, from uh, Aidan. Uh, he says, uh, Rebecca, I'd love to meet you and give you a big hug. You're great. Ah, thanks very much, Aidan. <laughs> um, <laughs> lots of people um, with similar sort of text messages. Uh, uh, very, very interesting to see yeah. that, that Kilkenny, Carlow, Ireland, yeah. it's, it's not the place that you grew up in. 30 odd years ago. No, it's changing. It's changing. We need to change a bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rebecca, really, really appreciate you joining us in studio this morning. Okay, I'll absolute... mention one more thing. You sorry. can, of course, yeah. That's for any parents that have a child out there in school that don't know what to do, where to go. Go onto the website Belong To. Uh, belong To, and they have all the information there for kids. Yeah, just have them support Yeah, them. and there's also two youth groups in town. You have the drum and you have Vossery Youth. Yeah, yeah, fabulous. Rebecca, an absolute pleasure talking to you for much longer than I had planned to, but much delighted to do so. Okay, uh, stay with us here on KCLR Live, 24 minutes to 12 o'clock. KCLR Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live. 22 minutes to 12 o'clock. Um, keep your texts and WhatsApps coming in. We'll give away all those prizes and your guests on our mystery sound also. Uh, just to let you know, in a few moments' time, we'll be speaking to John Cody. He's from Castlecomer and he's a finalist in the Westmead Bachelor of the Year competition. There's only eight people make the final of this competition every year. That makes John one of the most eligible bachelors in the country. He'll be joining us along with the MC of the event, uh, Shane Bakley. He's coming along as well to tell us everything about the Bachelor of the Year competition. Um, also wanted to just say that uh, text in asking if we'd be so kind to mention that a purse was lost in Market Cross yesterday. It's a brown double zip purse. Any information would be greatly appreciated. If you do, if you did find a purse like that yesterday in Market Cross, text us, tap us, let us know and we'll put uh, the purse and the person who did own the purse back in contact with one another. Now on this week's episode of Errors to Protect, our very own Amy McLaughlin spoke to Catherine Yates from the Elderfly gardening group about how they make a difference to our environment as a community in their retirement years. Hours to Protect brought to you by KCLR, the IBI and funded by Commission Amman with a television licence fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more information. 
this week's episode of Ours to Protect, we're delighted to be joined by Catherine Yates, who is part of the Elder Flower Garden Group in Carlow. Hello, Catherine. How are you doing, Amy? So, Catherine, I live in Carlow and I've never heard of this group before. So tell me all about it. It is in Barrack Street. It's the old um, schoolhouse. People would know it. it's Volca House. And it was a schoolhouse that it um, went on to sit to. And it was kind of neglected. It was neglected. It was The garden in it, you know, was nothing, a lot of tarmac and that was it. So they gave it to us and we formed a, a garden club. And it started off just before COVID with um, six people. And we're all elderflowers, as in the name. You know, we're all senior citizens. Um, most of us, we have one lady who is, we call her a seedling. She just comes in and helps us. So, yeah. And basically what we have done, we've uh, grown in numbers. We've nearly 20 people now. We've only two men, actually. The rest are all women. We could do it some more men to do the heavy lifting. But um, the men were great. They um, put in a water feature, which is um, <clears throat> it's solar-powered. And they put in um, water butts. And then we they made some raised beds. And we've planted a lot of vegetables and um, fruit trees and um then at the end, we have a lovely seating area and that's that's wheelchair friendly. They put down some, some paving for that and lovely flowers. And it's a lovely place to sit and maybe just have a little rest from the centre of the town. Anybody can come in and it's, 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 nice. it's a nice area. Catherine, that all sounds absolutely lovely. Tell me, where did the idea for, for this project come from? Um, from... A, there was a couple of ladies. I'm not originally from Carlow. I'm from Dublin. I've, we've, I've, I've been living there for the last nine years. And I met this lady, um, Mary Ryan, and there's another lady, Mary Reddy. And they, they had this idea, you know, to, and Helen, Helen Fanning. And they decided they were going to do something. So I was looking for, you know, something to do since I retired and got involved with them from that there on was it it's it started with the, the older persons forum you know we're under the umbrella of the older persons forum and it was basically they would have heard of it from them you know so that's how they got involved with it like it really is a lovely way to kind of make a difference in your retirement years isn't it it's brilliant absolutely brilliant and they're a terrific crowd and <clears throat> keeps us busy every Thursday morning we go in and um, as I say we have our potatoes we have strawberries, we have lettuce um, and we try then to do some different vegetables in, you know like unusual vegetables and um, then we've got two lovely um, Ukrainian ladies that has joined us which is lovely so they're bringing an awful lot of, you know, of what they've done in their own country into the garden as well. So it's it's good for everybody. Nowadays, we're all really trying to make a difference, whether that's with making sure we're taking a shower rather than a bath, turning off the lights exactly. when we don't need them. Exactly. You guys are not only making a difference within the environment by growing your own food and flowers, but you're doing it as a community, which is a really, really lovely way to do it. 
it is. It's it's lovely. It's lovely for everybody concerned. And as I said, the like it's very environmentally friendly because like we don't use any pesticides. We've trying to get rid of as much plastic as we can because when we got there we people gave us pots and stuff like that because we had absolutely no money at all to buy plants or anything. So the plants came in the plastic pots. So what we're doing is we're you know we're slowly but surely getting rid of all of that. And as I said, we've got in all the water butts and the guys fixed them up. Now we're we're planning to get um, an irrigation system going. So, you know, that's the next big project for us. Sorry, there's a, one of the men there, he, he made some lovely birdhouses and be, you know, bug hotels and that. So we've all of that going on. So Catherine, tell when I think of irrigation, I think about junior search geography. So when you're right. making irrigation in your own back garden, if there's somebody listening now and is going, well, I, I'd love to do something like that. How how do you do it from home without, you know? Well, go ahead there. You're talking actually, sorry, Amy, you're talking to the wrong person for the irrigation. <laughs> I would, um, as I said, I just go down there and I listen to the guy that, both Pat and, and Phil, and they, they're they the ones that they understand the irrigation. As far as I'm concerned, the water butts are, the, are for me, environmentally friendly because, you know, yourself are after having so much rain and they're actually overflowing, so it's brilliant. We use that for to water the garden. So how do you create one of those at home? If, look, basically, if you, where you have your downpipe from your gutter, and you have the if you have a, a container, put it on the end of it, and that will that will serve as a water butt. Catherine, tell me all about this event you're going to be having this week. Well, we're we're doing a, a tea and coffee morning, um, and there's a choir. It's Carl Community Choir, brilliant choir with Mary Amond O'Brien as its leader, and they have offered to come into the garden and do a recital, um, do a sing-along, and <clears throat> we are doing tea and coffee. We bake some cakes and scones, all homemade stuff. And the money that we come in with, we charge three euro for a cup of tea, coffee, and some cake, some lovely cakes. And um, the money, what we do is then we pick a charity, a local charity in the town to give you know what the money that we receive it would go to them so this this time it's the women's aid um will will be the recipients of the money um last time it was um we gave the money to bethany house and Catherine, you were mentioning earlier that you're looking um, for new members, especially some people to help with the heavy lifting. If anybody is yes. listening today and wants to get involved, what's the best way to get in contact with the Elderflower Garden down. Group? The, the best time to come is Thursday morning. We meet from 11 until 1. and But there's somebody there every day, you know, just for people to come in and talk to somebody. And also we have, if if people want to come as well, we've diverted a little bit. We have an arts and crafts group and they meet on a Thursday afternoon and they've made lovely furniture, mosaic and um, basket weaving. And they're, you, you know, so 
there's something for anybody who you know the, you, there's no need in the town to be like lonely or on their own you know in, in a certain age there's there's always something for you to do and people are are more than welcome if they don't want to do anything if they only want to come in and sit down and have a cup of tea a cup of coffee fine there's our own Amy McLaughlin talking to the Elderflower a gardening group, Catherine Yates, there uh, telling us about everything that they do. Don't forget our Hours to Protect series continues right throughout the whole year, every Thursday, 20 past 11. You can listen back to any of our Hours to Protect series by visiting the Hours to Protect website, hourstoprotect.ie. And you also get weekly tip sheets in there. Amy's put a tip sheet together based on everything that she learned this morning from Catherine Yates. That's up on the uh, website. You can check that out there hours to protect.ie and uh, why not go on and use the carbon calculator the footprint calculator that's on there it's very simple very easy to do and uh, can be quite interesting as well hours to protect back with you next Thursday around about 20 past 11 talking about quite interesting we're going to be speaking to John Cody he's the finalist um, from Castle Comer or one of the finalists but he's from Castle Comer in the Bachelor of the Year competition taking place in a couple of weeks time in uh, Westmead he'll be joining us after this KCL or Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live. It is 10 minutes to 12 o'clock. Before we uh, chat to one of the most eligible bachelors in the country, I just wanted to do this just once more. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. So don't text me or WhatsApp me now. Just let it wreck your head overnight. Mull on it. Chew it. See if you can work out what it is. It's worth 200 euros. You can text our WhatsAppers if you want. If you get in quick enough and you've got it right, we'll give you the money before we're off air at 12. But you might be better off waiting until tomorrow. When you're going around the house, have a listen to everything that's going on around you. If you hear that sound, it could be the thing that triggers it for you. And uh, you can text me tomorrow morning and pick up that money. All brought to you in association with the good people at the hearts celebrating their ID range of electric vehicles. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. Now, the Westmead Bachelor competition returns for its second year on Saturday the 29th of July. It's kicking off at 7.30 in the evening. The highly anticipated contest is actually on in Mullingar, Mullingar Arts Centre. Um, and it's the weekend before the biggest week of the year in Mullingar, which is the Flat Yowl. Um, but uh, we've got a big interest in it because our very own, well, he's from Castlecomer, John Cody, is a finalist in this year's uh, Bachelor of the Year competition, and he joins us on the line now to tell us all about it. John, how are you? I'm not so bad, Brian. How are you? First of all, right, so what makes you an eligible bachelor? <laughs> uh, good question. I suppose um, uh, good charisma, I suppose, I have, and a good personality. Oh, yeah, yeah, plenty of confidence good, in there as well. <laughs> Good-looking man, good-looking man, I suppose. Oh, here we go. He's off already. <laughs> and uh, you're you're extremely shy by the sounds of it as well, are you? Uh, I would be super shy, but once I get going, I'm not too bad. Well, listen, but, uh, they they wrote a couple about things about you here, right? So it says, I'll read this to you and see how, how, how big this makes your head feel. Uh, John Cody, the youngest <laughs> of five, 31 years of age. He's from a small town yeah. near Castlecomer, North Kilkenny. John Cody is a man of many roles. Armed with his ag science degree, he works on a farm. 
He does some work yeah. for a funeral director. He's a bookkeeper. Yeah. And most recently, a model, which might be of use yeah. as he struts his stuff on the stage. John, how are you at 31 years of age at all? If you've got all of those skills and you're good looking and you've got all the charm, how are you still single? <laughs> I suppose um, I'm a bit fussy and um, <laughs> I'd be fussy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You'd love to meet somebody special, but you're a bit fussy. Yeah. So are you <laughs> saying, and yeah. I'm going to get you in trouble, I'm gonna, you're going to have no votes left by the time you're speaking to me. Um, are you <laughs> saying then that the women of Castlecomer are not good enough for you? That's why you're still single. Exactly, exactly yeah. Oh, John, <laughs> you don't want to be taking those sort of lines when you're on stage. Listen, the person that you're going <laughs> to be know, on stage with, um, host and MC, and one of the co-hosts and the MC of the event when it actually kicks off there in a couple of weeks' time, uh, Sean Bakley, he's actually on the line as well. Good morning, Shane. Hiya, Brian. How are you? It's actually Shane. Shane, yeah, sorry. Um, how's John going to manage with an attitude like that where he's a bit fussy and he's... Uh, does he sound a bit too full of himself? Is that why he's still a bachelor, do you think? Oh, see, I think uh, John is holding back a little bit. Oh, um, oh I think so, yeah. I, he's been spotted down here in Mullingar now for the last few weekends as well, so he's definitely getting himself ready. <laughs> he's trying to build up some local support because he's already annoyed everybody in Castlecom by saying the women there don't come up to his sort of standards. Listen, Shane, tell me a little bit about the event itself. Uh, it's described as sort of like the male equivalent of the Rose of Tralee. Is it? Absolutely. I think that's the easiest way to describe it, Brian. Um, you know, it's a similar structure to the Rose of Tralee, but we have our own kind of unique, un- unique spin on it. Um, the bachelors come out to do an interview with the judges and then they'll go off and they'll do a talent piece as well. So it's essentially a personality contest. It's not a dating show, but um, it is a bachelor comp- competition at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, you've got a fabulous lineup of judges. You've got uh, Louis Walsh, as we all know, we've got cable judges, and Doyle. And you've got two newcomers, celebrity couple Pippa O'Connor Ormond and Brian Ormond. Uh, great lineup of judges. Absolutely. Like, we had Louis and Anne last year, and they were great. And Louis's they're, mad. They're, That's the only way to describe it. Louis's mad. So mad, but he absolutely loves it, and he's so behind us and the entire concept. So he's, you know, he's opened a lot of doors for us in the mm. last year, which is great. Um, and Anne is an absolute legend. She's an icon. She's great. And uh, we're so excited to welcome Pippa and Brian to Mullingar as well. Yeah, I mean, the fabulous. they're a great couple as well. Uh, just going back to, to John then for a moment. Uh, have you ever met Pippa O'Connor before? No, I haven't. No, right, no, okay. I she's a sound woman. Have you ever, have you ever <laughs> come across her online or Instagram before? I have, yeah, I have, yeah. You I have, mean, okay. I'm so, person, but no. do you think Pippa O'Connor Ormond would come up to your very high standards, John? Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. She's a very tall woman and very good looking and uh, she's very business minded too. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she's fabulous. How are you going to feel when you stand out there in front of that panel of judges? Oh, I'm going to feel great now. I'm just going to put myself out there and um, showcase who, who I am and give it, give it, give it my all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be a full weekend, a full chain. Um, just on, on on the sort of relationship and the similarities between this and the Royals, it's really, uh, there's no female escorts, and uh, that, that doesn't sound... It's weird, that, isn't it? When you say male escorts, it's sort of... You can put them on TV and it's accepted, but if you said female escorts, it has completely different connotations. But the uh, the lads don't have anybody sort of uh, guiding them through the whole process the same way the male escorts do with the uh, the girls in the Royals, really, do they? No, to be honest, Brian, I think it's old-fashioned. Mm. You know what I mean? I don't, th- I don't think there's any need for it. Um, we toyed with the idea of, 
having escorts, but we were going to call them chaperones. Yeah. Um, a couple of years ago. And then we, because this show was meant to happen before COVID, and we had female chaperones uh, for the original lineup, and then it all went to hell with COVID and it didn't happen. But in that time, we decided to kind of, you know, change the format. And we just said, we don't need them. It's all about the lads. It's yeah. all about The Bachelor. Yeah. And you know the way you've got all these restrictions in terms of the Rosalie? Presumably, The Bachelors have to be single. Otherwise, they can't be bachelors. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They, um, they, no, well, they can't, they can be partners. They just can't be married. Okay. But all our Bachelors are single, so uh, they're, we're grand. <laughs> and no age restrictions or anything like that? Oh no, not at all, not at all. Yeah, so it's uh, it's going to be a full uh, full sort of is it a full day of events or a full weekend of events. I know the Rose Festival goes on for pretty much a, a month. I think is nearly literally uh, not quite at that stage yet, but you've got lots planned, I presume, Shane. Oh yeah, no, no. For now, it's a one night event, the contest, and then we have a music festival in September. Um, you know, a two-day music festival, but the the contest is a one-night show. It's an off-brine. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can well imagine. Well, listen, Shane, I'm sure it'll be a fabulous event. Uh, good luck, MC, and if they're all like John, you're going to have your hands full. Uh, John, what do you think your chances yeah. are winning? Uh... I think a uh, very good chance now, Brian. Um, <laughs> oh, <very yeah>. good <laughs> oh man, he's not backwards about coming forwards. Well, John, I suppose as our local representative, we've got to get behind you and give you some support. Um, good luck in the festival, and the women at Castle Conwer, I'm sure, will be falling over themselves to get you back. They will be. They will be falling over. Me. All right, <laughs> John. Good luck. We'll have to check in with you afterwards to see how it went to see if you're still feeling as confident post-event as you were pre-event. That's John Cody, finalist in the Westmead Bachelor, and Shane Bakley. He's going to be one of the MCs on the even. Um, sounds like it's going to be fun. If you're a woman in Castle Comer, you've ever come across John, text us WhatsApp. Let us know. 083-306-9696. I'll read them tomorrow, and uh, we'll let you know what the people at Castle Comer uh, have come across John. But John. Have a great event. Best of luck and best of luck to all the contestants. That's it. I'm done. Um, I'm out the gap. Thanks to all our guests this morning. John Keane is up after the news at 12. He'll be with you till 4 o'clock. Take care. I'll talk to you tomorrow. KCL Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.